Well, good morning as we gather on this Wednesday in the third week of Easter. We continue our journey and our studies in Acts and John so beautifully this week. Here we encounter Saul. He hasn't gone through his conversion yet. And our story begins, we've just experienced yesterday the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr recognized in our church. And we're told that Saul stands there uh, in support of those who are murdering Stephen, holding their coats in specific. He has a role to play. He's holding their coats to help them out. And then devout men, we're told in Acts from Luke, devout men buried Stephen and made a loud lament over him. Luke goes further to explain to us that Saul was trying to destroy the church. He's operating under the endorsement of the Roman government, the Sanhedrin of the Jews. He's going house to house, dragging people out, men and women. He was indifferent. He just grabbed them all and he handed them over to the authorities to be imprisoned. He was a professional and paid bounty hunter. That's, what, that's who Saul was. He was a bounty hunter and he was good at it. He was feared. He was very aggressive. He's on his way to Damascus, as we know, in his conversion story. He's on his way to Damascus, letters in hand of authority to go to Damascus and hunt down the way. That's what he was doing. He was on his way, on his way to hunt down the way, as it was known, in, Antioch, in, in Damascus. And there's where he has his moment of encounter with our Lord and his great conversion. That hasn't happened yet. Right now, he's persecuting the church. But from hardship can come good. That's just true in our lives, isn't it? From hardship can come good. Sometimes the beauty of the journey is in the struggle. And because of Paul's, uh, Saul's rather, effectiveness as a bounty hunter and a persecutor of the church, those then who were in the immediacy of Christ's resurrection in Jerusalem, they scatter, they head north. We're told today by Luke, one of those who heads north is Philip. He goes to Samaria. We know Philip. Let's remind ourselves of Philip. Philip, we encountered two Sundays ago, Divine Mercy Sunday. We were reading from the first part of John's Gospel. It's the multiplication of the loaves. Our Lord has the large crowd sit down on the grassy hillsides, west shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's probably a sunny day like today. We can hear the wind. We can see the lake. Lots of people, lots of people, somewhere close to 10,000 probably milling about. Sit them down, our Lord says. And then Philip, ever the positive one, he's the one who says, 200 days wages of food would not be enough to feed these people. He's that person who's in the meeting. You've all met them. Maybe we are that person at times. This will never work. That's Philip. This will never work. That's Philip. And here we are, just a few weeks, arguably. We don't know the specific chronology, but it's not long after our Lord's resurrection that Philip then heads north to Samaria, and he begins healing people. He's not just finding ways to feed them. He's healing the paralytic. He's freeing those possessed by demons. With one accord, the crowds paid attention to what was said by Philip. And when they heard it and saw the signs he was doing, for unclean spirits crying out in a loud voice came out of many possessed people. And many who were paralyzed and crippled were cured. There was great joy in that city. So this individual in his practical observation that they have basically nothing in provision to feed these many, many thousands sitting on the hillside late in the day, that man, filled with doubt and, and, and in the role of Captain Obvious, then is willing to flee a city where his lord, the leader of this insurrectionist band, has been murdered. And Philip then heads north. He's not, Samaria is not far. He's probably only walking 
maybe 10 or 12 miles north. He's not going a great distance. So the officials in Jerusalem still have access to him. And this man, Paul, is very good at hunting people down. In that context, Philip goes north and is very public in his ministry of sharing the faith. And we're told that beautifully by Luke. Now those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. So from this turmoil, from this fear, from this hardship, goodness is happening. The word is being spread from Zion, from Jerusalem, as had been prophesied by the prophets. From here, the word will spread. From here, the light will shine. And it's now beginning to do so. We continue as well in our studies of John's gospel. We remain as we have this week in the sixth chapter, as mentioned yesterday. That's such an important study. You, you should spend, as we do, you should spend days reading through the chapter. It, it's, fairly, it's fairly long. It's 71 verses as it's now been articulated in later centuries. But, but the manuscript is so beautiful to just sit with. And we have today just a few short verses, beginning with, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Philip would have heard those words spoken by our Lord. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the Father's will. And our Lord, Son of God, tells us again what the will of the Father is, that all who will come to him will not be lost. So as we go forward in this day, we acknowledge that in our own life. We are at times Philip. We are Mr. or Mrs. Obvious, making a statement about a hardship that's real in our lives. There are practical things that are very hard. Philip acknowledged that. But the glow within him, the truth of his faith, inspired him in the face of what, at that time, would have been probable death, probable death, high likelihood of being killed, it just had happened. He goes forth and begins to do the work, the mission work of the church into which he was called, in which he was directed by our Lord. And he'd heard our Lord said, you will not be lost. I, I will never abandon you. You will not be lost. Turn to me, I will lose none of those who come to me. And we take that inspiration into the day. There are many who need to hear the gospel truth, Today here in the 21st century, right, right here in a beautiful lakeside city like Coeur d'Alene, it's hard to imagine, but it's true, there are many who've never heard the gospel. They've never heard it. What they've heard is what someone else said about the gospel. And it may not have been complete or it may have been great, in great error. They've never actually heard the gospel truth. They've heard what someone presented as the gospel or the organization that shares the gospel. So they're misguided, misled, and uninformed. And our job is to go into that uninformed culture and bring the truth, recognizing the struggle, recognizing that in, in the journey, in the struggle of the journey is the goodness being worked out and the struggles in our individual lives, there's God is present in that moment and he's able to teach us something and, and motivate us forward to live in his truth rely on him and rest in the will of the Father, that none of those who come to him will ever be lost. God bless you all.